Boris Meshkov is a filmmaker from Russia, based out in Vietnam. He has hitchhiked around Europe visiting 20 countries for only $1,000. This episode, you'll hear what it's like to travel the world couch surfing, as well as learn the current market for filmmaking in Southeast Asia, how to get funded, finding work, and the struggles of an independent filmmaker. In Soviet Union, like you finish university, you already have a job right after that, and uh, uh, you have to be married, you have to have children, and this kind of system and structure goes on and on from generation to generation. And in the middle, like in the beginning of uh, the 90s, it just stopped. So my generation is basically, it's that kind of weird, half-traditional generation. We're supposed to be like raised and born in um, Soviet system or mechanic, but actually we didn't. So my parents were, uh, I love my parents. They give me the freedom of doing whatever I want to do. So I use my life to explore myself, explore the world, explore the people. And uh, this is where I am right now. Yeah, because you, you went backpacking. You said you went hitchhiking across Europe. You've been to 18 European countries. With only a thousand dollars. Oh, that's actually twenty. Oh gosh, okay, twenty then. But twenty. <laughs> with a, teach me the ways, man. How are you spending a thousand dollars and seeing twenty countries? If I spent a thousand dollars, I'd be lucky if I left, you know, my city. <laughs> okay, so uh, I wasn't alone. I was with my girlfriend, so it was like a couple travel. Uh, a uh, couple of tips that were working back in the day in 2016 is the first is couch surfing. Internet works, man. Um, the people uh, in every country, there is always a kind person who is ready to host you for a couple of days. Um, accommodation fixed. You don't pay for it. Uh, hitchhiking. You're, you're just a uh, thumb up on the road uh, uh, in the early morning. Somebody will definitely give you a ride till the next town or till the next city. Transportation free. Fixed. Um, in, in terms of food, um, some hosts were just sharing local food. It was not a problem. Uh, buying some food from the market or supermarket like uh, Lidl or uh, there's some supermarkets in Germany that has like really cheap uh, burger deals, uh, like one euro for two burgers or something like that. So that's, uh, it's not bad. It wasn't bad at all. So you'd barely spend uh, a lot of money for food as well. So uh, accommodation fixed, transportation fixed, food is all right. Uh, some emer- emergency spendings, uh, barely there were some emergency cases. Uh, sometimes we had to like rent a room in a hotel or a hostel, mm. but it really happened. Um, buy some medic- like medicine in the pharmacy that really happened also. And that's it. All the sightseeing are for free. <laughs> you just check on the same couch surfing or, or nomads websites on the internet, like free uh, places to visit in every city. Yeah. And actually, those places are much more interesting to visit than the paid ones. <laughs> oh, fair enough, because it's, it's where the local people go. Or it's, it's just free. So there's better vibes there. So how did you decide what country you were going to go to first? Because that, that's one thing I never understood with people that go on these massive traveling things. It's like, what attracts you to the first country? And then what drags you, in your case, through the other 19, 20 countries you went to? What was the process? Hmm. Uh, we didn't pick the first country. We actually picked the, the last country. Uh, the destination was Barcelona. So we just decided to go to Barcelona. 
from Russia, from my hometown near Moscow, uh, through Turkey and like Balkans to Europe, through the northern part to the southern part and finish it in Barcelona. We had our visas for, for six months and we basically had our time and we had the freedom to explore everything we want. We were just following the route. So we started from Georgia because it was like, it's the southern country from Russia. And we just entered Georgia right there. And the next one is Turkey and the next one is Greece. Then the next one is Bulgaria and step by step, step by step. And we were just decided deciding on the go, man. Whatever we feel like going, we just were going there. Hey, check us out. There is a cool city in here. Let's go. And there is like a cool host in there. Let's meet this guy and stuff like that. That was the beauty of it, man. Uh, like you have a lot of time in your pocket and you're free to go whatever you want. And, and the whole time you're hitchhiking, you're just, so from, from Moscow to Georgia, you hitchhiked there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we, to, from Moscow to Barcelona, we hitchhiked the whole way. It was like 18,000 kilometers and uh, we stopped to 200 cars. Uh, wow. With my girlfriend, we had a, some kind of uh, challenge between yeah. each other. We were counting how many car, cars each was stopped. So she won with uh, the score of 101 car yeah and i had uh, the score of 100 cars so basically it's 201 cars so yes same same difference really <laughs> you would think that maybe because she's a girl she would get more attention on the road she is a girl yeah so <laughs> yes so you were you know what i mean but did you not have any kind of fears or worries like when you were hitchhiking did you not think gosh like somebody might just like chop me up and, and kill me or something mm. I don't know, man. I, we didn't have it. And uh, actually, didn't, uh, nothing extreme or fearful happened to us during this trip. Yeah. Uh, maybe this combination of uh, young couple yeah. is a good, si good sign for the drivers and for the people who are hosting us. It's like yeah. putting some trust. Yeah. Uh, we're not, uh, if you travel alone, you're a lone guy. Like, there are some risks to. Um, you know, and especially if you're a lone girl, yeah. uh, the traveler, you have much more risks. But if you're a couple, it's a perfect combination, man. People kind of just look at you like they're they're innocent. They don't worry. They're they're, they're going to not do anything mm -hmm. too mad here. Yeah, yeah. It's just just a regular couple of youngsters exploring the world, and mm. that worked, man. That worked. We didn't have any uh, any danger cases or like crazy drivers or. Uh, well, we we met kind of couple of. Not bad people, but not <laughs> kind people, not just, nice people. Just but weird it's people. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just one or two two cases. Can you can you give me an example of one of these people? Like, what did they do? What were they like? There was a German guy, um, and uh, he was hosting people for like in exchange of helping him in the house. Yeah. So when we arrived at his place, he. Uh, he was basically expecting us to do some housework for him, to cook for him. He yeah. was like really picky about, hey, uh, uh, cook some dinner tonight, but don't cook spaghetti, please. It's like, it's not, yeah, you know, it wasn't. Uh, he, <laughs> was, he was expecting to us to, yeah, that, that was really weird. Uh, but uh, he wasn't pushy. He wasn't like, uh, he was just so, you know, not was nice. He, was he old? Uh, 50 ish, okay. like not that old, daddy then. age. Yeah, he was, he was just like middle aged, so he's just being weird on purpose. But uh, you know, I guess yeah. it could have been weirder. Oh, yeah, it could be much worse, so it's okay, it's fine. 
uh, that was near Köln, uh, Cologne. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he had a nice house and a really nice uh, place that that he stayed. So, um, yeah, that was vice versa. We just served him for a couple of days, and he gave us accommodation. That was kind of a uh, square deal, you know. Yeah, it was. A, it was an equal exchange. So that was that the mm-hmm. weirdest one that happened then, because it doesn't sound that weird to me. Uh, comparable to other people that we met, this this was probably the weirdest. Okay. Uh, thing because uh, like ninety nine percent of people are extreme were extremely nice. Ex- like the level of hospitality was wow. Yeah. And the experience meeting those people is uh, a life changer. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Have Have you returned the favor? Have you ever let someone surf on your couch? Uh, I dated in when I landed in China. Like yeah. after this whole hitchhiking trip, we mm. he, after Europe we hitch hitchhiked uh, all, all the way down to China and uh, I stayed there for three years mm. and yeah I've hosted uh, some people back uh, it, it was cool it was a nice experience uh, but I should say that uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to be humble but we were really nice guests comparable to <laughs> other people guess, yeah uh, yeah you know um, there's a special thing on couch surfing like reviews mm. and ratings uh, it's a um, this thing is a must because some of the guests, they're just, they can be arrogant. They mm. can be really rude or, you know, not nice. But we are, we were always positive. We were trying to share the kindness, have a really good time together with the people. And uh, yeah, the, this is how it works. Yeah. Sharing the virtue, sharing the kindness and being nice. So you went from Moscow to Barcelona, that you came back to Moscow and you decided, right, that wasn't enough traveling for me. I'm going to go to Hong Kong in the same regard. I'm going to hitchhike to Hong Kong. And that's a completely different direction. But what I found out recently is, and you know, obviously the listeners here might think I'm stupid, but Russia is a lot closer to Asia than I thought it was. It's like right there. Do you know what I mean? It's, uh-huh. it's, it's just straight down. Mm-hmm. It's right there, man. <laughs> so why did it take you two months? Uh, I think besides of uh, the desire to explore and to have like an adventure it's actually was uh, an act of searching so secretly i was hoping to stay somewhere in those countries mm. and uh, find myself in one of those cities but in europe it, it didn't work out you know mm. there barely was any place i felt like staying in yeah. uh, it happened in china when uh, like coming back to moscow thinking what should we do next uh, staying in russia is definitely not a goal Mm. So we just decided to go to Asia. We we were just curious, and we we've heard some really cool stories about China in back in 2016. Yeah, and it worked out for us pretty well. Yeah. So when you got to Hong Kong, you decided, okay, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna live here, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna stay here. And where did the busking come into? Because you know, obviously, I I know and now the listeners, that you're a musician. <laughs> so were you kind of yeah. playing instruments while you traveled around Europe and you thought, right, when I get to Hong Kong, this is it. I'm going to become, you know, the best street performer in the world type thing. Oh, no, no, no. I, I just had this skill of playing guitar and uh, yeah. and drumming, you know. Okay. Uh, maybe I didn't did a mistake carrying my, my electric guitar and like portable amp throughout the Europe, but maybe I used it couple of times or five times in total so yeah i was just carrying for i don't know for 
uh, string spirit. <laughs> you just want to look cool, man. It's mm-hmm. The hitchhiker with the guitar. Yeah, but it, it's instant regret, man. It, it was heavy. It was bulky, and like uh, jumping into a car, it was quite an experience with the guitar. <laughs> it was too much. Well, at least you did it, yeah. and, and now you're here. But so you got to you got to Hong Kong, and you was like, "Cool, I'm gonna start. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna start busking." And were you traveling again with your girlfriend, or were you traveling solo, like completely this time? Uh, well, Hong Kong is uh, kind of like separate from China yeah. uh, territory. Like uh, there is two weeks visa-free policy, so uh, we managed to stay there for a couple of months just because of that of this two weeks visa-free, like doing the visa runs. Mm. And uh, um, actually, we moved after these two months, after saving some money, busking money, we moved to Shenzhen. This is like a border city to Hong Kong. It's like a two-hour ride uh, from Hong Kong, and it's like the Chinese territory. Yeah. So um, you can get a longer visa in there. It's China. Uh, and um, what what made us stay in there is the offer of being an English teacher. So back in 2016 in China, it was like a huge boom of uh, English centers Mm -hmm. and uh, Chinese employers, they, they paid crazy money for, for being an English teacher. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't even have to speak English. You just have to be white guy uh, from (laughs) Europe. And, uh, and that's it. They, they were paying really good money for that. Uh, I can tell you up to three or $4,000 for like 18 or 15 hours a week. Wow. So and basically uh, loads can, of money for not much work. It's just easy money, man. How can you say no to that? So after uh, roughly a year of hitchhiking of this tent experience mm. from house to house uh, yeah, you, you, you can relate that this is a little bit tiring for yeah. me it was personally it was really tiring so i just decided to lay down loan this was a really good money offer so um yeah i accepted uh, i just found a job in an english center well paid and uh, that was the next chapter of my life at this moment uh we split with my girlfriend uh, after this long traveling um, living together is, was not the same as uh, having the adventure. Yes, uh, yeah. it was completely different. So we just decided to split. And that was completely new chapter. Okay. Three years in China. And it was beautiful. Yeah. And funnily enough, one of my previous guests has been through a very similar experience as you in China. He was out in China. <laughs> he was teaching. It was an unbelievable prospect. Like you said, he, he is out there. He's teaching. He's having a good time. It was fun. And... <laughs> much like yourself he enjoyed a smoke you know of a, of a certain kind of herb that that you know we can mention <laughs> yeah. when you when you talk about it substance but, yeah certain <laughs> certain kind of medicinal substances and he also <laughs> got locked up in china and detained and is now uh-huh. in the same boat as you where he's not allowed to go back for five years or whatever but tell me mm-hmm. your story of how you managed to get you know caught smoking weed in china and all that kind of stuff I guess it was just the wave of the the wiping hand of Westerners uh, into in the end of 2019. Right. Um, I don't know the reasons. I don't know why, but it happened. Like throughout three years, I was consuming those substances pretty freely with my friends, and nobody bats an eye. Like the Chinese authorities, even if they see you. Uh, consuming that, they don't know what it is actually, because yeah. you know the the information in China is pretty like 
uh, censored. So local people, they don't know what it is, what what these herbs do, and uh, <laughs> they don't know what weed why is. should you roll really? it in the in the paper? Yeah, uh, no idea, man. There is no 420 culture in there at all. Oh wow! So, uh, but suddenly in the end of 2019, boom! It was just a wiping hand. Yeah. Um, I was cuffed uh, along as with uh, like with my friends. Yeah, and. Um, it was um, just some raid mechanics, you know, they mm. just go to the bar randomly, they pick up all the foreigners, they make you to piss test, uh, make a piss test. Yeah. They detect the THC and boom, you're detained for two weeks and banned for five years. Yeah, because what what the last guest who had the same issues said was he doesn't speak a word of Chinese or Mandarin. <laughs> so he's just there confused the whole time and he's just in the cell like, just living how he's living was it the same for you did you speak any mandarin or were you just there kind of like gosh where's the english speaking people mm. <laughs> no 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 oh, well um uh it wasn't that tough it wasn't jail it wasn't the prison it was just a detention uh i was uh, stuck with like 30 pakistani guys who were crossing the borders and they were just detained for that um there was a vietnamese guy there was my friend who was with you at the time with me that yeah. night yeah yeah and uh uh the officers they barely could speak any english so what they gave me is just a phone call to anybody in this world who cares about me to yeah. get a ticket out of china back to my back home mm. and uh, that's it as, as i mentioned it wasn't prison it wasn't jail there was no violence there was no uh, like offensive moves it was just strictly two weeks of nothing just sleeping and eating and then uh, they just let me go that is weird so <laughs> i guess this, is, this sounds like a weird question but I, i'm gonna ask it anyways do you plan to go back to china when you're able to go back no 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 this happened at the moment when i really needed it and i think if there is a god upstairs <laughs> uh, that was actually a blessing for me because uh, those were three beautiful years but i couldn't find myself uh, living in china anymore to be honest okay but you haven't gone far you're only in vietnam and when you left yeah. china did you go straight to vietnam or did you go like back to russia and then come back to vietnam type thing yeah my my dad called me like when i was out of the cell mm. he called me and said like just go home it doesn't matter we'll pay for the ticket yeah don't worry about it let's go home so yeah, I spent two weeks at home, uh, reunited with my family uh, after two years of being absent from home. Yeah, and uh, there were some reasons, there were some signs uh, to go directly to Vietnam, mm. not not any other country. Uh, I just decided to go to Vietnam, uh, Saigon, this city, yeah. and it worked out pretty well for me, to be honest. Uh, wow. Here, I found what I really was looking throughout this. Uh, hitchhiking adventure and uh, with three years in China and one year in States. Actually, that all happened uh, here in Vietnam, what I was looking for. Yeah. And if you don't mind me asking, what is it that you were looking for the whole time that you found in Vietnam? Film. 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 Filmmaking. Yeah. So is there like a big kind of indie market out in Vietnam for filmmaking? It's a it's a really good foundation right now. It's like the the fresh surface, the the blank piece of paper for filmmaking right now. Yeah. Um, 
Vietnam is growing economically. Like there's a lot of investments and stuff going on mm. uh, comparable to other Southeast Asian countries. Yeah. So these guys, they have equipment, they have talents, they have studios, they have it all. Everything for making a good kick-ass movie. They just don't have ideas of how to make this movie. Right. So um, I'm pretty young. Uh, I've studied direct uh, directory, but I have never directed my own film. And I feel myself uh, like well-crafted and experienced enough to collaborate with Vietnamese people in this, this kind of uh, circumstances. Yeah. So the current thing you're working on is, is called Saigon 3000. And it's it's yes, it's a right. sci-fi type thing. I must admit, I haven't actually looked in depth at it, but it's like I thought I'd let you talk about it more than anything because I was like, why is even Vietnam doing this? And you told me exactly why because there's just more opportunity out there, and there's a whole bunch of mm -hmm. you know people that are willing to do this type of work. Whereas if you were to try go to Hollywood and try and make something like this, they'd be like, nah, ooh, ooh. yeah, nah. Uh, I've I've spent several months in Hollywood, and man. Uh, you're a young guy with an idea and there's like hundreds of other like similar guys with a great idea and yeah. they were be stepping on your on your toes they were uh, jumping on your head and yeah. there's going to be a crazy competition and you got to like, spend a lot of time and money to make it come real so for me that was a no go uh, I left Los Angeles I love that place mm. but I left Los Angeles to find something else. Yeah. And here in Vietnam there's no competition here at all. Mm. I feel uh I feel pretty free uh, in creative way to to do what I what I like to do I want and I find um, a lot of support and feedback from local people and uh, people around. Yeah. And and how do you fund things in Vietnam because I know in you know, especially in the Western world, it's like you go to a big media <laughs> company or you kind of fundraise and go, oh, I want to make this film, help me out type thing. What's it What's it like in Saigon? Is it, I'm assuming first of all, it's cheaper to make a film, but then I guess the second part, of the main part of the question is, where do you find people to kind of help you fund your film? Oh, that's a really good question. And um, like, and currently and all through all the time, uh, the number one film problem is the funding, is mm. the, the budget, the money. Um, throughout the year that I spent, like 2020, I managed to be on film sets. I managed to um, collaborate with other filmmakers to help other uh, young filmmakers to direct. So I was like brewing and boiling in this film stuff. Yeah. And what I can say, um, indie filmmaking is just is just based on who you know, based on network based on mutual collaboration and following like the passion for the idea. Uh, there are commercial movies here that are like heavily funded by Korean uh, companies. Uh, uh, like shout out to Koreans to help uh, Vietnamese people to make at least some commercial cinema films. But in terms of indie filmmakers, uh, it's just who you know. It's all about who you know. You yeah. got a right person. He knows a guy, he knows a guy who has the money and he is ready to contribute and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, um, the difference between Hollywood that is more accessible because as you just said, the prices are lower and uh, most of the people, they are ready to contribute. I don't recommend anybody use like the free force uh, and uh, hire uh, the crew, filming crew for free. But uh, the feedback from locals is just like that. 
I was sharing my sci-fi story. I just wrote a script. Uh, I was meeting with people again and again, day after day, like four meetings, five meetings with VFX artists, uh, cameramen, script writers, producers, and I was just sharing my idea. Mm. And I saw excitement from them. And I, like, I got the energy back. But though the film is not completed, this project is like far from, from being uh, filmed and shot uh, at, like, at the, the current moment. Yeah. Though the feedback was really great. And uh, it's only in Vietnam. I felt this kind of thing only in Vietnam. And, and so because you've, you're not a native of Vietnam, right? So I guess for the listeners, some people don't even leave their local town. They go, oh, how do I get in? How do I get in? So here's, here's kind of where I would like this kind of bit to start. And then I want to see where you take it to. But you land in Vietnam and you go, do you know what? I want to keep directing. I want to keep doing film. How do you get in? How mm -hmm. do you start working there? Like, what was the process? Would you just try to find out where people are making films and get involved like that? Or did you, like, what was your game plan going in? Um, there was no plan, man. Uh, it was uh, just reckless, maybe stupid, uh, jumping in the water without knowing how to swim, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Uh, at some point, I was just so excited about the idea of making a film and the uh, I just saw that people are actually trying to make it in here. They're yeah. sharing scripts. They're talking, they're have, having clubs. There is a lot of youngsters who are studying film. Mm. And there is like some experienced filmmakers in here. And uh, they're actually pretty open-minded, you know. Uh, if you're sharing your idea, the script, even if it's stupid, if it is like complete uh, <clears throat> uh bad bad story or something you you don't worry about it you just bring it to the light discuss it with people yeah uh accept the the criticism and mm. just keep the thing going right. share your vibe share your idea yeah and people will appreciate your passion that's for sure okay so it's kind of just about being you know a genuine nice good clean-hearted person i like that but you've done an amazing <laughs> video and a video that i've watched literally a couple of days back when we first connected with this guy called Kurong Seven. That video is Seven, yeah. absolutely amazing. <laughs> it looks like Blade Runner. The link will be in the show notes for the mm. listener. But how did you connect with this guy? Are you now his regular director? Because you should be from what I've seen. That was an amazing video. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. So after months of pitching this sci-fi project, Saigon 3000, uh, basically, I had this treatment that I was sending to everybody. I did mm. this document with pictures of references, Blade Runner, Love, Death and Robots, all the sci-fi that I love. I just put it all together in one file. Yeah. And I was just sharing with people, with everybody I, I see. Mm. Uh, I'm making a movie, sci-fi, neon stuff, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah. And uh, accidentally, finally, it paid off. This guy just uh, noticed me and turned out is he is like, uh, he was really popular in the past, like in 2013. You can compare him to Justin Timberlake. Yeah, I think he's like Justin Timberlake of Vietnam. Well, he's got a million views on that video. So that's a, a, an amazing thing to, to have under your belt. This, that you've got uh, yeah, a video yeah. with a million views. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm lucky to have it, man. It was like pure luck to mm. be a director of that kind of uh, the scale of project. Yeah being less than a year in Vietnam with mm. no connection, with, with no money, with like just being nobody. 
just because of the passion, just because I was shouting out that loud, I think I, I got this opportunity. And yeah. when I got it, when I got this offer from Kung 7, man, it wasn't a question of money. It was the question of opportunity. And he gave me this opportunity. Yeah. He gave me the freedom to do what I want. He trusted me. Uh, we didn't know each other at all, but mm. somehow he trusted me in creative way. And uh, oh man, I, I just... I just give out everything. I, I can't remember anything in my life I was working so hard at. Yeah. Uh, so this project is just a piece of my heart. Uh, I was working really hard 24-7 on it. Yeah. Uh, writing about it, references, building, like preparing for the shooting. And the, then the editing after that. So I put a lot of effort and I really enjoyed it, man. That yeah. was a really fun ride. And it yeah, paid off, was... I, I feel like, because it was when I was watching this, because, mm. you know, someone contacts you and says, oh, go watch my thing, go listen to my thing. I thought, okay, I'm expecting a normal music video. The second I was like, whoa, wait, these colors are really engaging. I was like, I have to focus. Uh, and then uh, the song was actually quite good. I was like, I don't even speak Vietnamese, but I'm vibing <laughs> to this. But the video, honestly, was like top tier. And it's like I said to you, it gave me instant Blade Runner vibes. I was like, this is really, really good. <laughs> so off the back of that, have you ended up with any more like, music videos because i'm sure you would be kind of in high demand if this is like the justin timberlake of like you said of vietnam we planned to make more mm. the, there were a couple of more videos to come with much better songs and like much better vibes that should that uh we plan to make this video in strictly rough dark cyberpunk stuff yeah uh but covid thing COVID thing kind of froze everything till now. So yeah, uh, this music video is the best that I made uh, so far in Vietnam and uh, I think in my life. Yeah. Uh, but for now, just to think stuff for a while. But I feel like we're getting back. I get, I'm getting some kind of offers for, for the future. But uh, yeah, uh, this uh, music video is great. I'm really excited. But still, my main goal is to make my movie happen. Uh, yeah. I like film. Uh, MV is maybe like um, a moneymaker. Uh, TVC, like TV commercials, moneymaker. Yeah, it shows, shows your skill as a director. It shows uh, your vision. But uh, I am devoted to film. So yeah. I'm staying in Vietnam till I'm, I make my movie done. Yeah. And so you said people are loving the idea of the movie. People are, you know, taking to the idea. And that's even how you got that, that music video done. Mm. So... I guess you're in the room with people having conversations with people that do kind of make the choices and decisions whether things get made. Have you had any talks with investors or, you know, I don't really know how it works. I'm not sure if it's producers or not, but have you had hmm. talks with them? And like, what the type of things they're saying when, when you come with your idea for, for Saigon 3000? Uh, I'll sum it up in a nutshell. So, Oh no, tell us the long story. That's what we want. We always want the long story. <laughs> Don't even sum it up. Tell us, I woke up in the morning, right, I had right. egg. No, I'm joking, but you know what I mean. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so the response from most of the people I, I had, like uh, the time sharing my idea, the script is, this is really cool. And this is what Vietnam needs right now, but it's hell of a hard and it, it will cost a lot, man. Yeah. Uh, and they, they were true, uh, like uh, they were right about this. Um, maybe it's a good thing that at that time I, I didn't manage to make the movie. Maybe, maybe it wasn't the best time to make it because there's mm. still some things I need to learn about filmmaking yeah. to make this project be good. Uh, and uh, I still do mistakes. 
I assume that uh, I still do some things wrong. Mm. Mm, but this project is alive and uh, uh, it should be, ha- be happening. It should be finished someday, man. Yeah. And uh, it will take time. Good things take, take time. And uh, yeah, it's still on the go. Yeah. So for the, yeah, for, for the, for the producers, it was like, uh, uh, I've met a couple of guys who were ready to contribute like a couple thousand dollars, like $5,000 or $10,000 to mm. the company. Uh, but they wanted to implement uh, their ideas, their ideas that makes no sense in the film, you know, mm. it's just some kind of putting the uh, strawberry jam into, into the hot dog, <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh making it weirder than it needs to be yes exactly so i couldn't accept it even for those money i I cannot just make a a weird dish from my film my film is supposed to be the way i i wrote it i know what it is should be about i know what is the message i know how it should should be done yeah Uh, all i need is just a financial support not the uh, not the idea directivity so uh, i had to decline those offers yeah and i i know you're like focused on making saigon 3000 and all that kind of stuff but i'm sure if you're like me with you know when you first get a creative idea you focus in on that one but then once you're kind of done or that one's kind of finished there's another one that pops up and so like have you kind of written like a sequel to this film or is there kind of a an idea for this to be like a TV show as well. Cause I know that that's normally what happens with me at least is one idea comes and off that branch is like three, four other ideas. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, that's a really good question. Yes. Um, so basically uh, when I wrote the first script, it was just a simple story, but later it grew up into something more and I ended up building uh, the, the lore, the universe uh, that serves as a basement for all the scripts that I write till now. Mm. So uh, now I have this kind of world, uh, not the Marvel universe, Boris universe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, it it's so much fun uh, writing it down. It's so much fun building it. Mm. It's so much fun uh, like connecting those different stories, different characters in the in the same you know field of in the same time and the same place and the same location. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's supposed to be a series. I think it's a, a really good format right now for people to watch like Netflix uh, series, 20, 30, 10 minutes, short stories that are really easy to, to consume. Um, love death and robots. That's a great example. Or black mirror. Yeah. I love that kind of format of delivering the, the story. So in Saigon 3000, I was focused on that. Uh, of course, I'm thinking of making like a feature film, long, uh, like two hour, three hour. But man, this this kind of shape of film is dying, slowly mm. dying. Like uh, people are not keen to spend two hours to watch a watch a movie, even if it's really cool, even if it's really hooking. Like two hours. Mm. It's just the times are changing. You know, yeah. people don't go to the cinema anymore. Just because it's easier to watch a half an hour show, one hour episode of uh, Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad, you know, and uh, it's cool. It's it's not a bad thing. Uh, it's, uh, the, it's the changing of the format of storytelling. And uh, uh, I'd like to step up with it. 
Yeah, because I, I went to the cinema the other day to see Candyman. And before it started, <laughs> I was like, oh, let me check how long this film is, just out of curiosity, because it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let, let me see. It was only an hour and a half long. I was like, oh, that's going to go quickly. And it did go quickly. But then in contrast, uh -huh. there was the Snyder Cut of Justice League, which was over three hours long. And that didn't feel long either. So it's like, I don't understand why people are shying away from having long films. If you're telling a story, let it take as long as it takes. It is, it is. Uh, I do like, uh, I did like the, uh, the Irishman as well, the three right. hour new movie by Scorsese. Yeah. Um, but you, you see the audience is changing. Like mm. uh, it's weird that people cannot really find themselves involved into the story, into mm. the world that the director builds for three hours anymore. Yeah. So this kind of thing is getting outdated. Um, maybe because of the av availability of TV. Yeah. Like imagine you're a regular person that mm. is not at film at all. Yeah. You just want to have fun. You just want to hear the story. You, you don't care about the director, the studio, that kind of yeah. stuff. You just want the story. You just turn on the TV, you go to Netflix and you watch TV, a TV show or you watch a movie. Or like when you watch a film, uh, most of my friends that are watching movies at home, they usually like split it in several parts yeah. and they don't eat the whole movie at once. So this is what happens to, to the audience. Personally, I prefer to consume the film in the form as the artist and director made it. Uh, and no matter how long it is, three hours, four hours, five hours, six yeah. hours. Uh, uh, but the, if you want uh, more people to watch your film nowadays, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you, you have to. You have to kind of. You have mm -hmm. to. You have to put it in the format that they're going to want to watch it, or else you'll never get the attention you you kind of well not the attention you deserve, but you know what I mean the mm -hmm. attention that you want from it. it. I mean, it is kind of sad, isn't it, that people's attention spans are going down, which is you know. It's like I, I always, as a kid grew up, growing up, I liked films. And then now I watch a lot of YouTube, which is, you know, still watching a lot of things. But I, I barely watch television mm -hmm. as it is. But films have always held a special place in my heart. But now it's like I don't even feel like there's that much of a variety of types of films coming out. It's kind of always like the same uh -huh. story over and over and over again. And when something unique and cool comes out, it's either there's a lot of copycat type things or it's like my prime example is Parasite. I saw that just before the uh -huh. pandemic, I think. And now they're making an American version. I'm like, why do you need an American version? There's already the original version. <laughs> why are we making a good movie? Why are we making uh, that's already good? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's kind of what's been happening a lot recently is, is that. And I'm like, why is there no... Because there's, there's not a lack of people writing interesting stuff, but it's like, oh, but this has worked before. It will work again. It's like people still want to see new stuff. Yes, yes, that, that's the big, big, big problem, man. Uh, Hollywood is not a thing anymore and Oscar is not a thing anymore because uh, it's, it's all stuck in the remakes and yeah. the Marvel Universe, man. I wish, I wish the producers and studios paid the same amount of money to the script writers as they pay for VFX artists and, uh, and the actors. Mm. I wish the mil those millions were spent on the script and I... <laughs> I'm sure 100%, man, the movie, the movies will bring people back to the cinema yeah. if they start just writing a good story, just telling a good story in the film, not showing you the visuals, not showing you the pretty girl and uh, playing on your nostalgic, oh, hey, let's make another Ghostbusters remake. That's going to be cool and, exactly. and sell some merch on the yeah. stop. Mm. No, uh, there, uh, 
some people might say there is lack of stories. Hell no, man. Yeah. How many books are written? Check. Uh, okay. As minimum, check the police reports, daily reports in any country. There's so many stories happening in there. Yeah. Take any story and you can make a TV series out of a single story. Mm. But there's, there's so many things happened in the world and throughout the history. You can talk about the past. You can talk about the present. You can talk about the future. But these guys are stuck on the remakes. Uh, this is terrible and uh, it should be changed. That's yeah. for sure. Because there's there's loads of films that I've seen that are completely unique and different. And I always just think to myself, why haven't more people seen this? More people would enjoy it. So I, I try to, you know, tell people to watch things. And there's obviously barriers to entry. So with Parasite, it was the fact it was in Korean. And the main mm -hmm. one that I've told people to watch that a lot of people watched and said was boring was this film called Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler. Oh, oh. Mm, mm, that's a good one it's a good film but people go oh it's boring like there's nothing happening i was like it's not about what's happening it's about the fact this guy <laughs> is unrelenting in his his just he just wants to destroy his life for no good reason and you know if you haven't seen it listeners go see it but it's it's one of those films where it's like if you watch it you sh well i say you should mm. you will enjoy it because it's just a mad ride it is man if if they put aside the phone for for a day and stop and quit watching TikTok for a week or some time, mm. they will get into Uncut Gems, I think. Yeah. Because this story is not that complicated to understand. It's no. pretty accessible. Yeah. It, and it's brilliant, actually. I, uh, I watched Uncut Gems maybe a couple of weeks ago for the oh, first wow. time. Yeah. And I, yeah, I should say Adam Sandler, uh, I used to like, not the hate guy. The Everybody guy, did. Don't hate. don't worry. Everybody did not like Adam Sandler. I hated the movie. The movies that he was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the movies that he was playing, they were terrible. But I'm glad that he actually revealed who he he really is. And in yeah. Uncut Gems, man, wow, that that was that was really impressive. His act in there and yeah. the movie itself is just just amazing. It, well, it makes me excited to see him again. I want to see him in something else, like as a serious. I, I actor. hope he can he can find a. I, I hope he can find the that side of him, that character that he can like really get into and show it mm. to the people. I really hope to. One more thing about uh, like this format of film. So mm. uh, definitely, if you have two, two hours of uh, the of the screen time. Mm. Uh, you probably will get deeper into the story than the 30 minute show, yeah. right? Uh, but uh, if you if you chop it into pieces, if you slice it into pieces, it can work also as well. So compare uh, the great movie, um, okay, Uncut Gems, mm. that's a pretty good story with yeah. deep message inside. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's say roughly one, one and a half hour long. Uh, and uh, compare it to Breaking Bad, mm. like uh, eight years and five seasons running TV series, yeah. one hour each uh, episode, mm. and uh, which one is deeper and which one is more accessible to people. So watching one film for like two hours mm. or watching the, the really long story sliced into one hour episodes. Yeah. So I think TV series are like... Uh, uh, the overlord right now over the movies. So yeah. maybe in the future, TV series will have uh, like a much more acceptance than the films in the cinema right yeah. now. Well, one thing is with over here in uh, Britain, we tend to have shorter 
TV series. So a British series is normally about six episodes, whether they're an hour long or half an mm. hour long is a different thing, but it's normally six episodes, maybe eight, right? But in America, it's normally like 20, 24 episodes. And I just find that absolutely insane that that's what they were doing up until mm -hmm. recently, where they've kind of gone, no, 10 episodes is enough. You can tell a story in 10 episodes. But I don't mm. know what TV's like in Russia. Is it the same type of thing as England or is it the same type of thing as America? And also in Vietnam as well. I'm just curious because you have more knowledge than I do on that. Russian film is dead. There's <laughs> nothing to talk about the Russian it's, it's dead, man. Uh, it's barely alive. Uh, uh, Vietnamese uh, film. Um, uh, the future of Vietnamese film is uh, in, in the hands of indie filmmakers here. Yeah. There is some indie, indie movies that are really good. They got recognized by international festivals like ROM, uh, R O M. Mm. This movie was, was uh, made like in eight years. Uh, yeah, and it, it is really good. So Vietnam is uh, learning how to make good movies. It's not arrogance, it's uh, not like. Uh, business or corruption thing that, that not allows the local filmmakers to not make this movie. It's just a, a matter of time. Yeah. Uh, and more more movies and more TV series definitely will come in Vietnam. High film, there is also one uh, kick-ass uh, neon, neon action movie, John Wick style yeah. in Vietnam. It's not perfect. It's not the Hollywood uh, level, but it, it's really good and shows the effort. Yeah. and uh, the you know uh, what vietnamese people can do okay because i feel like right now there's there's a lot more attention going over to asia like obviously there used to be people loved karate films or kung fu films from china and <laughs> then you know anime from japan but now korea is starting to come up i saw something on netflix the other day that looks uh, amazing i don't even remember what it's called but it's, it looks like um i don't know if you know what takeshi's castle is no mm. No, it's what was that about? Yeah. I'll give you a better example. It's like the Hunger Games, but a bit more violent. Mm -hmm. It looks really good. I think it's called Squid's Game or something like that. I'll send you a link to it <laughs> after the show, but it looks it looks amazing. Right, I was right. like, wait, what is this from? Korea. Okay, cool. So it's like mm -hmm. I feel like in like you said, in five, maybe ten years' time, people will be like, Where's this from? Vietnam. And then you'll be the director and I'll be like, hey, me and Boris are friends. I'm going to the premiere, all that kind of stuff. Blessed. <laughs> uh, uh, there's actually one cool thing about Korea I've learned here in, in Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, like 10 years ago, uh, it was really hard to make a movie in Korea. It, um, it was a hard time for filmmakers to... Uh, to make movies what they really want to make to talk about, you know, yeah. there was censorships that there was like kind of borders. Mm. Uh, but since the government changed and some of the laws changed as well, mm. uh, they got more freedom to, yeah. to make movies more about uh, like the real life, the, yeah. the truth, uh, as well as zombies and, and sci-fi stuff. But uh, like Bon Joon-ho and Parasite, yeah. this is the result of uh, fighting for the right of uh, being free in terms of creative. Yeah. So, like the Korea, they didn't have it before. Yeah. Uh, Vietnam doesn't have it now because the, like, if you have some, some, you surely have some restrictions in terms of filmmaking here in Vietnam yeah. from the government. From the from the party, 
uh, in here. Yeah, like if you have blood or some nudity or some bad word or showing the police guys in a bad way, mm. there's no go you can sh show your movie in the cinema. Mm. And in here, the only local films that sh uh, like broadcasting in cinemas is like comedies, some uh, party accessible, uh, like uh, accepted thing. Mm. Uh, but there's no real real movies. There's no real stories about. Yeah. Uh, there's no real dramas. So you see, uh, the filmmakers they're kind of uh, cuffed. Yeah. <laughs> in, stuck. in this situation, they uh, yeah. uh, uh, they cannot cannot uh, cannot make movies about what what they want. Yeah. Uh, so Korea was in this condition ten years ago, and yeah. uh, Bong Joon Ho and other filmmakers they were fighting for their rights. And uh, they got the what they wanted, and uh, boom, we got Parasite, we got Memories of Murders, we, we got a lot of good movies. Mm. So that's why probably why Korea is on the rise right now because they they fought their right to make good films. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of you know fighting for your right to make good films, and obviously you are a filmmaker <laughs> based out in Vietnam. You know, the listener would already know that by now, but I, I'm just saying it for my own kind of process of, of where I'm getting to. What advice? You're would, not wrong. Yeah, thank you. I, that's what I'm trying to build up. I'm trying to build out the facts. Here. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. But what advice would you give to those who want to get into the filmmaking industry or in the directing, you know, the director's seat? Oh, just make it, man. Just make it. Uh, it's all about the story. It's all about the story What that you want to make. I, I can understand and relate this feeling from young filmmakers or any filmmakers that want to become directors. Like, hey, I watched David Fincher's movie and I want to be like him. And the first thing they do, they focus on like camera placement. Like, hey, this camera move is dope ass. And we, we have like this VFX here and the cut is awesome. Mm. No, mm. it's all about the story. Yeah. Tell the story. N nothing really matters. Mm. Actors don't matter. Camera does the lens doesn't matter. VFX editing doesn't matter at yeah. all. The budget doesn't matter. It's all about the story. So if you want to be a good filmmaker and if you really want to start making movies, it's gonna be challenging, tough road ahead. But write scripts, write a story, and share it to anybody. Don't be afraid if it's ridiculous or stupid. Yeah, just write it down as much as you can devote yourself into the storytelling you're you're not making the visual mm. you're you're not, not placing the camera and you're not editing you're telling the story so if you really love it if you're really passionate there is nothing that, that will stop you from making good movie yeah and speaking on loving it and the passion what brings you boris mm. the most joy out of what you do it's this moment when uh, when the credits roll. Like, I, I haven't done a movie yet, but yeah. I, I've done some videos, complete storytelling videos before. Yeah. And uh, this appreciation from the audience when the credits roll, it's, whoa, it's just outer space experience, man. It's those moments worth living for, worth uh, being on set 24-7, worth not sleeping, worth... Uh, uh, starving and and all the time spent on making movies that moment when the credits roll and the audience appreciates you and they thank you for telling such a good story mm. this 
this this is the moment and probably this is the moment every director and filmmaker relates for here's where to find boris online boris meshkov facebook this is uh, this is my base this is my uh, central station so just go there and you find uh, anything like the rest of the stuff that i do um on facebook i'll see you there guys <laughs> thank you for listening to people explained new episodes come out every monday We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend.